Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Friends, uh, welcome to church again. Here we are. Uh, this isn't my lounge room, but you're in your lounge room. I'll be watching myself from my lounge room, which is kind of weird. When I watched myself a couple, like a month or so ago, I was like, man, I, do I sound like that? I sound, this, you know, you don't like it. So it's weird. That's okay. Um, wanted to remind you, so you asked me to remind you that um, we are in the beginning of a new challenge, uh, we can know Jesus, the recommended, uh, we have recommended reading for that challenge. Same, a book we were going through at the beginning of the year, it's Eternity is Now in Session by John Ortberg. I've read it. I was very, I just flew through it over summer holidays and uh, I was, I loved it. So you can pick that up uh, as, as a recommended reading for this challenge. And I think we'll be hearing from John Ortberg uh, in the next couple of weeks, actually, he's recorded a message for us to, for us. So be on the lookout for that. And it'd be great. Read that book before in the next couple of weeks uh, so that you have more context for when he speaks sometime soon. But yeah, we're in a, in a challenge called We Can Know Jesus. What does it look like to know Jesus? And especially what does it look like to know Jesus right now in the middle of being a little bit stuck? Um, we're kind of you know, what I want to talk about is, is knowing Jesus uh, through waiting. Uh, we Can we know Jesus through uh, in, stuck in waiting? And for some people, it can feel like pain. This that can be pain and waiting. They're, they're, they're closely related. So um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Terminal with Tom Hanks. Great movie, but it, I think it can kind of feel like we are in the movie Terminal right now. That's my analogy to begin the message is that he gets, he flies in. I mean, I haven't seen it for ages, but he flies in uh, to America. He flies into somewhere and then he, um, he can't leave the airport because of visa issues. And he's just stuck in the terminal for a long, long period of time. So he can't go where he wants to go. He can't actually return to where he was, but he's stuck waiting. And I think I can feel like uh, where we're at right now is we aren't where we want to be and we can't go back to where we were. We're just kind of stuck in this waiting period. Uh, and where is God in this waiting period? It's it's weird. It feels, uh, it can be hard. It can be difficult. If you're anything like me, patience might not be your biggest strong suit, um, which I think might be a lot of people. I'm not the most patient person. But when I when I see something I want, I want it straight away. When I and we've been addicted to just uh, just you know uh, instant gratification. When I see something I want, I just want to get it right now. I can order it. It gets posted to my house in like a day. If I you know whatever it is, we, we can get whatever we want straight away. Um, but the Bible is full of stories of waiting, and I think. Waiting is actually an integral part of walking with Jesus, of knowing Jesus. But the Bible's full of stories of waiting. Um, Noah, scholars think Noah waited between 50 and 75 years between God telling him to build the boat and when he sent the flood. Um, Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for a baby. Joseph was sold into slavery at 17. He spent a year at Potiphar's house, then 10 years in prison waiting in prison for 10 years. And then he uh, interpreted the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer, and then had to wait another two years before they remembered to pass on to Pharaoh that he was such a great guy. So he waited between getting sold into slavery and coming to the service of, of Pharaoh. 
uh, was 13 years. He was 30 when he came into Pharaoh's service. Um, Moses was 80 when he started his ministry. Israel spent 40 years in the desert. And Jesus waited until he was 30 to start his ministry. All of his 20s, if you're a young adult, all of his 20s spent doing the thing that he knew he was not called to do. Uh, waiting is an integral part of what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, I think it's clear, and this probably isn't a new concept, that God's timing isn't our timing. The way God chooses to order events, the way he chooses to time our lives, and the way he chooses to work through us, it's not our timing. Um, but if we, are, if we are meant to be followers of Jesus, if we want to know Jesus and we want to follow in his footsteps, we need to get used to waiting because waiting is trusting in God's timing. Um, Simone Weil in her book, Waiting for God, Simone Weil, not to be, I was like looking her up a bit more after reading this book, Waiting for God, and uh, not to be confused with Simone Weil, also in a similar period, who's a politician, Simone Weil, who is a, a theologian, uh, says, the heart of a meaningful life is waiting expectantly for God. The heart of a meaningful life is waiting expectantly for God. Uh, so with that said, I want to go into a passage uh, about waiting, uh, where Jesus waits, and uh, just offer some thoughts on what that looks like. Grab a Bible if you have it. Grab a notebook, because, um, <laughs> you know, there's going to be tons of great things to write down. We're going to look at John 11. So turn to that in your Bible. Uh, we might put it on the screen as well, and I'll read it. It's uh, verse one to seven is what we're going to look at. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Um, so he stayed two more days. He heard about the pain. He heard about him being deathly sick. And then he stayed two more days. So Jesus waited. And I don't know if you're in that situation, if you've, it's like, it's a crazy weird situation at the at first glance. Cause it's like, if you have a kid and a kid breaks their arm, uh, you, you aren't going to, and they're like crying out to you, God, oh, take me to the hospital. You're going to be like, Oh, just let me, you know, I've, I've 20 minutes left in the movie. Can you just wait 20 minutes? No, you rush to them. Of course, uh, Jesus, when met with, this person is deathly sick. One of, the, one of his closest friends is deathly sick. And it says he decided to wait for two days before going to visit him. So what's going on here? I'm gonna offer some thoughts. Um, firstly, there's a correlation with waiting and pain. Um, we can be waiting during pain or we can just be 
waiting can just feel like pain, like right now in stuck in waiting and isolation, it can just feel like pain. Um, you could be waiting to get test results from the doctor or waiting after getting test results from the doctor. It's painful. Uh, you could be separated right now from loved ones uh, and waiting to be back with each other. That waiting is painful. Uh, you could be waiting for God to come through in a certain area. That is That waiting is painful. Um, waiting for God to, re- to relieve a financial burden, waiting for the right partner to come along, waiting, uh, waiting for the right job or the career move or the calling, whatever it is. Uh, Pete Scazzaro says, waiting in pain, it can either make you harder or softer, but it will not leave you the same. So our waiting and our pain, which are intertwined, it either makes you harder or it makes you softer, but it will not leave you the same. And that's our choice. Uh, so what's what's Jesus do with this? First, we'll start at verse three. Um, it says, verse three says, um, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Um, the one you love is sick. So there's wisdom in the love of God because there, there's the people who Jesus love get sick. And that's just a small point, but a small little verse, but it's like, People who Jesus loves suffer and they have trouble. But then in verse four, it says, God is using it for his glory. God, Jesus says uh, in verse four, when he heard this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Um, God uses our pain and our waiting and it brings him glory and brings us to a fuller knowledge of his love for us. So people who Jesus love get sick hardship. It's going to be, it's going to happen. Things like isolation, they are going to happen in our lives are actually almost guaranteed. The Bible almost guarantees that hard things are going to come. But what Jesus says is that it's going to be used for my glory. And then after he says that the verse we really want to hone in on is um, verse six. He says, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, he, he said, it's going to be used for God's glory. Uh, and then it says, so when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days, uh, which again, it, it can blow your mind. Uh, Jesus chose to wait and it wasn't because, um, it wasn't because like he couldn't catch a flight or something. He wasn't like trying to get there and that he just couldn't, he chose to wait two more days. You, you know, he, um, yeah, he, he wasn't trying, trying to get there. It says because he loved them, he actually waited two more days. So that so could be translated to as therefore. So if you put verse five and six together, um, it says, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Therefore, he waited. Uh, he waited where he was for two more days. So Jesus, because Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, therefore, he waited two more days. And that is confusing because put yourself in their shoes. Um, the moment something goes wrong, you want to rush to help uh, to help to help them make it right. He, you, you think inside he wants to rush to make them right, but God said or Jesus said, "This is going to be used for my glory." Um, but why? So why didn't he rush there? Why didn't he rush to their side? He waited two days because um, it's even more actually like it's more. Um, it's even crazier. You look at verse 39, which is a, a bit down. And Jesus says, um, take away the stone, he said. 
But Lord, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Um, so when Jesus arrived at the tomb, Lazarus had been dead for four days. So rabbis taught that a soul actually lingered uh, after someone died, their soul lingered for three days after. And on the fourth day, on the fourth day, it was considered gone permanently, meaning uh meaning that they they would have felt there's absolutely no hope in the situation. So it, at three days, they still, one, two, three days of dead, they would have felt Jesus can still do something about this because his soul is still in his body. At the fourth day, they would have felt there is nothing we can do because th what they've been taught is that their soul leaves, the soul has left the body. Um, so if Jesus hadn't waited two days, he could have gotten there when he'd been dead for two days and they would have felt like there is some hope I mean, you can just, I mean, you can just imagine Jesus coming to Mary and Martha and, and, and them running to him saying, where have you been? Why are you just showing up now? Like it's been, it's been, you know, however many days, uh, it's, he's been dead for four days. I thought you loved us. And the thing, um, we do that in our waiting. We do that. We think, God, where are you in this? Why haven't you been showing up? Um, and, and what we do is we judge the love of Jesus based on our circumstances rather than looking at our circumstances through the love of Jesus. I'll say that again. We judge the love of Jesus based on our circumstances rather than looking at our circumstances through the love of Jesus. Um, or you could say we look at our, we look at, um, we look at Jesus's love through the lens of pain and waiting often. So we look at the love of Jesus. We look at what he is doing through a lens, like if you have a lens on, of our pain and our waiting, instead of looking at our pain and our waiting through the lens of Jesus's love. Uh, and Jesus, as you know, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Uh, so we have to know that there's purpose. When I see Jesus waiting, looking at it, waiting for two days, um, and I look at it, I choose to look at it through the lens of, I know Jesus loves me. I look at that differently and I look, there's purpose in his waiting. He's doing something because God, God doesn't make it happen, but he, he is using it. As Jesus said, he's using it for his glory. And so when I look at it through the lens of Jesus is in charge, Jesus, God, God loves me. He's in charge. Jesus wants to do something in this situation. I look and say, God, well, you're doing something this, and there's a trust that can form. And we can, and that's what happens in the story. And that's what we can do in our own lives, in our waiting. We can choose to look at it through a lens of, of man, through the lens of our pain. And just, and then we judge Jesus's love saying, God, what are you doing here? Why is this? Or we can choose to look at our pain through the lens of Jesus's love and say, God, you are doing something in this pain. Show me. Show me what you are doing here because I so trust that you are doing something great. Um, so there's purpose in our waiting. Uh, there's purpose in what God is doing and why he, why Jesus is waiting back then and now. Uh, so, because if you look back in that story, uh, if you look further in, uh, this is actually the event that set the Pharisees into motion for them to start planning Jesus, putting Jesus to death. Uh, it says in verse 53 of that chapter, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death because the craziness, um, They'd been wanting to, but the, the waiting two days is that Jesus waiting two days uh, meant it was four days, as we said, four days until 
uh, that, that Lazarus was dead. That waiting two days is what led to the over the top miraculousness of the miracle because it was like four days is impossible. Two days is like, yep, yeah, that could happen. That's what people believed. But he waited two days, making it four days, meaning it was over the top miraculous what, what Jesus did, which led to the Pharisees being so enraged that they began to plot Jesus' death. They, they began to plot to kill Jesus. Um, so the waiting is actually, Jesus waiting those two days is what God used to bring about his plan to save the world. Um, and so you, you can only see that in hindsight, but when you look at your pain uh, through the lens of the love of Jesus, you can see, God, what are you doing here? And who knows what he might be doing through our waiting right now, through our waiting uh, in the future, uh, through the pain that he has, that we have in our lives right now. God, what are you doing in this pain? Um what are you doing in this waiting? Because then that that waiting, that two days is what made the difference, I think, between uh, the Pharisees just being more angry and the Pharisees actually putting into plan, putting into motion, sorry, the plan to kill Jesus. So waiting, it, it's purposeful. Our waiting is purposeful. Uh, in our waiting, God wants to do miraculous things because waiting causes us to look inward. Uh, to see what's really going on inside, to see what God is wanting to do, uh, see where we have pain, uh, and to truly um, have a good look at our souls. That's a chat I was having about with Matt Stackhouse this week about how uh, when we are in isolation, when we're alone a lot more, we actually have a tendency to look inward. We have a tendency to the things that are going on inside, maybe not look inward, the things that are going on inside are going to be magnified. The things that, that if we have problems going on, they're actually gonna be magnified. If there's great things going on, they're gonna be magnified. And that could be for you, you could be really struggling more than usual, or you could be enjoying yourself more than usual right now because as we wait and as we are alone, the things that are going on inside of us, inside of us are going to be magnified. But the problem is we never really wait around long enough for for this to happen, except for right now when we're forced to. Normally, I don't wait around long enough to see what is going on in my soul. I don't want to see what is going on in my in my in my soul, because um, in our waiting, we truly see what God's doing on the inside. When I was uh, at uni, uh, you know, in, in the states, and when I was at uni in the states, I had this weekend where no one, and I was a social, you know, 18, 19 year old going out, hanging out with friends all the time. And I had this weekend where no one was available to do anything. People, a lot of people had gone home because I lived away from home. A lot of people had gone home away for the weekend and I was, I was alone. And I remember just, I'd, I'd called, texted people before Instagram. So there's no like, you know, FOMO or anything like that, but I'd call, text people. No one was able to hang out. And I just remember sitting at home and none of my housemates were home. I don't know what was going on. Maybe they planned something without me. But I was sitting at home alone. I just remember, this is early in my walk with Jesus. So I just remember feeling God saying to me, uh, you don't like being alone, do you? And actually, I, I remember God saying, actually, there's some loneliness going on inside. And you hang out with people all the time to not see that you are, to, to hide from the fact that you're actually a little bit lonely uh, and there's some hurt going on inside inside through that. And so I actually was covering up waiting. I was whole, I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to be alone because actually I used that so I didn't have to see what was really going on inside. Um, so 
In our waiting, in in this time when we are waiting and we're stuck, actually God wants to show us what's really going on inside of us. And um, that's my encouragement for us today that uh, we, as we wait, uh, we might spend some time waiting over worship that we want to see, we'll ask God, what are you doing inside right now? What are you wanting to reveal to me? I wanna wanna read a quote uh, and then I wanna just give a couple finishing thoughts. Uh, This is a quote from Parker Palmer in a book he wrote called A Hidden Wholeness, The Journey to an Undivided Life. And uh, it's about our soul and waiting to actually be able to see our soul. The soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is to go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. So what he's saying there is that when we wait quietly, our souls emerge. What's really going on inside of us, our souls, our deepest parts of us, the parts that we never really want to look at, those parts actually emerge. And we're in a period of waiting and aloneness right now, some more than others. Um, But generally, we all have a little bit more of that right now. So as we are in a forced waiting, what is God wanting to do? What's he wanting to do to to reveal in you? What's he wanting to reveal about your soul? Um, Is he wanting to reveal habits, uh, dysfunctions, uh, or parts of your character maybe uh, that he wants to heal, that he wants to restore? Um, He he wants to reveal those things to us because he wants to restore those parts of us. So he's asking us to embrace the waiting, embrace the pain, because it can, as I said, it can make you harder, it can make you softer. Uh, It can make you more tender, more humble, more receptive to him and to people, or it can make you uh, more calloused and bitter, cynical, or judgmental. And it's our choice. Do we want to take the time and take advantage of this waiting to become softer, to see what God is doing in our souls, what God wants to do in our souls? Um, because what God wants to do, he wants, you know, as he says, as Jesus says in the, in the passage, he wants to do it to bring his glory because there'll be a moment uh, when God does say to us, uh, as Jesus said to Lazarus in verse 43, come out. I'll pray. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for the waiting. We just trust you in the waiting. We trust that you have something great. We trust that you are doing great work in the waiting. And, and as you said uh, in, in, that ver- in the verse, um, you said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. So we know that this, what's going on right now, our own internal pain that you might be trying to reveal to us, but the waiting pain that we are in right now, uh, it doesn't end in death, but you want to use it to reveal your glory to the world. Uh, So we trust you in this waiting, Father, and we say, God, what do you want to do in this waiting? How do you want to reveal yourself to us in this waiting? What do you want to do with our souls 
in this waiting? What do you want to reveal to us about ourselves in the waiting? Because we know you have a purpose for it. Just like you had a purpose 2,000 years ago in waiting for two days, you have a purpose for our waiting and you want to reveal to us something about ourselves. So we receive that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.